reading of the scriptures. Hallelujah. Praise God. We want to see his glory revealed to this generation. Please find Acts chapter 1. We did have an online uh, winner, mother, Charlene Hopkins, and we congratulate Charlene. She's watching my live stream this morning, so amen. And uh, for those that are interested, we now have Pastor Cecil Wiggins' podcast up. And uh, you can go to the Evangel Temple Facebook page. Hopefully they'll be on the website this week. But I, we've got four sermons up already on the Evangel Temple Facebook page. Just click on his picture there and it'll take you right to four podcasts. And, and we'll have it on iTunes shortly and everything up and running. But I listened to uh, the first sermon that was up, and oh my goodness, he was preaching it. Amen. And so uh, be sure to go online this week and listen to that sermon. It will be a blessing. And uh, we're excited about being able to make that available to all of our church family. And speaking of family, there's some wonderful photo ops out in the lobby and in the, the foyer area after the service, some areas that we've created for your family to have a nice family photo following this service, and I hope that you'll avail yourself of that. And as we turn to Acts chapter 1, I received an email this week from a new family that's in the church. They've been visiting a little over a month, and they said, Good morning, Pastor. This morning I wanted to share some amazing things that have happened to my family. We've been attending for about a month now at Evangel Temple. My daughter for the last few years has battled insomnia, bad dreams, and fear during the night. Since attending your church, she has, been, she has not been waking up for the last three weeks. You spoke about bad dreams and sleep, and you prayed over the congregation. My daughter is completely healed of that situation. Praise God. We are also foster parents to four small children ages two to five. The changes in our foster home, as well as being so excited about Attending church is just amazing. They love Evangel Temple and the teachers that are in the Sunday school classrooms. My husband and I are also being blessed by the consistent truth of the word and the moving of the Holy Spirit in the services. We again look forward to being in the house of God. I am so thankful to you, your staff, for sharing God's love, his word, and his presence with our family. Can somebody say amen? Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we can continue our series. Today is Acts part 3, and the final installment next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, Acts 4. But today, part 3, from one verse, verse 14 of Acts 1, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And with his brethren, they continued with one accord in prayer, supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his disciples. Every word in your Bible is there for an important reason. And we're going to explore some of these passages. You may be seated. I do believe we're in a season of alignment. Remember the year that we are in. On the Hebrew calendar, 5778. On the Gregorian calendar, 2018. Both of those years in the Gregorian and the Hebrew mean a time of new beginning. 
This year, Passover and Easter fell on the same weekend. Does not happen very often. And some important things have been aligning themselves. Uh, as we had the same Passover and Easter weekend, on the Jewish calendar and in the Jewish background in your Old Testament, something happened on Passover that they do every single year, they, the counting of the Omer. And I mentioned this last week that for 50 days they count to the next feast. There's seven Jewish feasts and not one of the other feasts do they count to the next feast like this. This is the only one. It's because there's something very important at the end of 50 days. Now we marked 40 days in the scriptures in Acts in the first part, 40 days that Jesus is on earth and on the 40th day he ascends into the heavens leaving 10 days uh, left that the disciples were to go to Jerusalem, wait in the upper room, to be in one accord with prayer and supplication, waiting for something to happen. All of this time with their, their, their Israeli background, their Jewish background, they're counting every single day. Why in the world did God have the whole nation count off Every single day, 50 days, you had to mark it. In every household, you had to audibly say, this is day number two, day number three. You went through 50 days. God wanted them to count up to the next feast because this one feast held something so very important for them. It was the Feast of Pentecost. And because of the alignment of the years, because of the alignment of Easter and, and Passover, uh, pa Pentecost falls next Sunday on both the Hebraic and the Gregorian calendar. If you're marking that off, Jesus has ascended this past Thursday. This is true in history. He ascended on the 40th day. And we're marking 10 days now to fulfill the 50th to next Sunday. Pentecost was a very important feast. And I just want to remind you that next Sunday, according to your scriptures, was a no excuse Sunday. Every person had to go to Jerusalem, no matter where you were in the entire... Why did God require this? Why God required that no matter where you lived in Israel, you had to go back to Jerusalem on Pentecost Sunday. In fact, if you look in your New Testament, this is not even Old Testament, this is New Testament. In Acts chapter 20, Paul finds himself way over uh, in Ephesus and he leaves his entire missionary pilgrimage and journey and he goes all the way back to Jerusalem to be at the Feast of Pentecost because God said, do not miss Pentecost. I'm telling the church today, there is something important about the Feast of Pentecost. There is something that God sets in order. You know, Yehuda Glick, one of the highest elected officials of Israel, said to me last weekend, y'all have broken some of our codes. I thought, wow. He said there are codes in the scripture and not a lot of people understand what God is saying. And he said, you've broken some of our codes. You have an understanding of what the times and the seasons. I'm telling you, on God's code, in God's timetable, Pentecost is very important. And he had every family count this in their homes. You mark it off every single day to Pentecost. I want to tell you, Pentecost represented uh, to, to all of Israel. The Old Testament, it represented the giving of the law. 
That's why that priest would wave two loaves of bread. One was the old, uh, the giving of the law. One was the new, the pouring out of the Spirit. And so he would wave two loaves. I want to tell you, Jesus brought both of them together and he said worshipers, true worshipers, are not going to just be those that worship the law or the, or the word, but they're also going to worship the outpouring of the Spirit. You can't have true worship without the, uh, the move of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Amen. If you've only got the Spirit, you'll have all emotionalism. If you've only got the Word, you'll tend to legalism. And the Bible says the letter killeth but the Spirit makes alive. Come on, church, say amen this morning. I'm telling you, we're going to wave two loaves next week. Amen. One was a wheat loaf and one was an oat loaf, and they were both being waved as symbolic. We need the Word and we need, we need the Spirit of God. God, let your Spirit be poured out on the Word in our lives next weekend. But Pentecost Sunday ought to be valuable to every home and family and it ought to be celebrated in the full understanding of what God, God said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And that flesh represented men and women and young men and young girls that God would visit our homes and our entire families with the breath of heaven. And God let it happen. And it says, positioned in the upper room, there were women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus. I believe we need to see more women filled with the Spirit of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I read articles this week by one of the most noted women's teachers. And she says there's a gender bias in the body of Christ. And I read Charisma's writings about the gender bias in the body of Christ. I want to tell you, friends, you're in a church that believes women have a place in the body of Christ, have an anointing upon their life. Amen. We got women on staff. We got a woman evangelist going to be preaching here tonight because I believe women are anointed in this hour to do the works of Christ. Come on, everybody say amen. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to talk to you. You know, we wish all the moms a happy Mother's Day, but I also realize there are women that never had natural children, but they birth spiritual children. They mentor spiritual children. And they're mothers of Israel, and I honor and celebrate them today because of the place they hold. But I want to talk to you about the Shunammite woman. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, Elisha goes to the city of Shunem. Shunem is a strategic, for those of you that have been with us to Israel, if you will think of the area of Megiddo, where we went up on that, that mound that represented so many different civilizations that they have, they have discovered. Megiddo stands as a part of the Jezreel Valley, and Shunem was a strategic city in this most beautiful valley. And Elisha would go to this very valley many times. And he goes into the city of Shunem, and there is a woman that verse 8 calls her in the Hebrew a great woman. The word is Gadol, and it means high, mighty, noble, wealthy. She was prominent in her community for many different reasons. Your place in life is important. And I believe that God wants to elevate in the scriptures, amen, the role of women. 
It's important. And she was prominent in her community uh, there in Shunem. And Elisha would, would go to that place and in that area. Verse 8, she invites the man of God to come to the home of her, she and her husband to eat bread. Listen, you can be as close to the work of God and the move of God as you want to be. You can keep the things of God at distance, at a hand's distance, or you can embrace what God's wanting to do. Amen. And what God wants to make available in your life. She invited the man of God to come to her house. Verse 9, she makes a room for the holy man. Watch this. I, I wondered and I began to study out why does the scripture take time to identify even the articles of furniture in the room? But there's a prophetic symbolism with each one of these things and I'm not, I don't have time to go there but it identifies that she made a room with a roof with walls why did God take time in his word to identify that there's a purpose here with a bed with a table this woman the Shunammite woman puts chairs there a lamp and says whenever you come to this place you can, you can come to mine and my husband's home and you can use our house and use this room. You can stay as long as you need. You see there are order and there is pattern in the word of God. And you need to break that code and understand God's order and God's pattern. Verse 13, he says to the Shunammite woman because of her hospitality and because of what she, she was giving. He says, what is your request, woman? I want you to watch this. She does not have a son. She's never been able to have a son, but this is a prominent woman in the community and she shares a request with Elisha that she wanted a son and he prophesies to her, by this time next season, you will have in your bosom, in your arms, a child that you will be holding that will be yours. Something caught, brought her into divine alignment. This is a season to get aligned with what God's doing. I came with a word this morning that I believe the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart while I was studying this. That some of you have been praying for your breakthrough. Some of you have been, uh, uh, you've been, God sees your tears in the night hours and wants you to be assured on this Mother's Day, on this day to honor the women of the church, that you keep being faithful. You keep doing what you're supposed to do and know one thing, that God is going to bring into alignment for your season of breakthrough as he did for the Shunammite woman. She was faithful, and God, and God through Elisha says, this time next season you'll embrace your son. Maybe somebody needs to grab that word, and by the next season, and listen, the seasons are shifting right now. Amen, there's a shift going on. Amen, there's a shift going on. And by the next season, maybe you'll be embracing your son. Amen. Well, the story doesn't end there. But her son dies in a few years. He's out in the fields in the heat of the day and evidently heat stroke. And the, the different commentaries give a different age that probability here, but he was probably still below 10 years of age. And he dies. And the woman, of, uh, the Shunammite woman calls for the man of God and he comes. And there's a whole prophetic lesson learned here and a faith lesson that she calls for the man of God and he comes and resurrects that son. Elisha resurrects a boy. What does his predecessor Elijah do? When he goes to Zarephath and the woman's son of Zarephath dies, Elijah resurrects that boy. 
What does Elisha pray for when, when uh, Elijah is leaving? I want your mantle, Elijah. But I don't want just your mantle. I want a double portion of your mantle. I'm telling you that Elisha said, give me a double portion of what Elijah had on his life. And, and so we have in the Bible recorded 16 miracles that Elijah did. Do you know how many miracles that, and there, I know there had to be more, but there's 16 recorded, but the Bible records 32 miracles that Elisha did. I'm telling you, there is something to the transference of, of mantles and anointings. And Elisha says, I won't double what Elijah has. So that when he encounters a, a lad that has died, he, he lays his body on top of that lad. He does something totally off, off the wall and different. But God resurrected that child. I'm telling you, God can do some miracles that you don't expect. Amen. But one last thing, the, the Shunammite woman goes through another test. And Elisha says there's coming a famine to the land. What does she do? She leaves Shunem, the Jezreel Valley. Be careful when you leave the Jezreel Valley. Be careful when you leave the place where God's been blessing you. What happened with Elimelech and, and Naomi? They moved to Moab. They left the place of God's blessing and they go to Moab, which was the name means washpot. Her two sons die down in Moab, and her husband dies, and she, Naomi takes her family back to the house of bread, back to Bethlehem. What happens when the Shunammite hears of the famine? She flees to the Philistine lands for seven years. Everybody say seven. I'm giving you some history here that's important. It has a powerful message. She goes to the Philistine land for seven years. And while she is there, all of her lands and holdings are taken from her. When she goes back to Shunem, back to where she had, should have never left because some circumstances and some things, listen, some circumstances want to try to up-earth you and move you. You need to stay planted. I don't care if famine's coming. God's still the God during the famine, and he'll see you through. Don't you let the devil displace you. When she got displaced, she lost all of her land and all of her holdings and her prominence. But what happens is she goes before the king and, and the, the appeal is made and said, this is my son that Elisha raised from the dead when he hears the whole story. He says to the, to the, the people of the community of Shunem, restore to this woman all of her lands and for all of the produce that she has lost for seven years, give it back to her. God is a God of restoration. You may, have made, you may have made some bad choices. You may have gone to the Philistine land. But listen, God can turn some things around. You just need to come back to the house of bread. You need to come back to the spiritual Shunem, the Jezreel Valley, where the blessings of God flow. Huh. Hallelujah. Point number two, I don't have time to tell you. Go to Acts chapter 16, but it's about Lydia. My wife is coming right now for point number three. So, Derek, if you'll help her up here, amen. I dare not, if I'm going to cut a point out, it better be my point. Amen. My wife's got five tips for mothers and godly women. Amen. Point number two is about Lydia. Lydia is in the city of Philippi, and on the Sabbath, she's meeting along the river 
with some other women. I just want to challenge the women. Don't give up your prayer life. Lydia was staying right there on Saturday night. She was praying. She was there on Saturday praying along the river. There's no church in Philippi. And she continued to be faithful with her prayers. And God sent Paul. Paul happened by her way with Timothy. And Lydia comes to God. They've, they've been praying, but she comes to faith in Christ. She's baptized. She heard the word of the Lord. She was baptized and her household. Friends, I believe this season shift, we're going to see some families coming back to where they ought to be. Amen. We're going to see some families getting right with God. Come on, somebody say amen. And so Lydia and her household were saved. She was baptized, and she took care of the prophet of God and constrained Paul and Tim. We know that they traveled in teams, and she constrained the whole evangelistic team. Come to my house, and they abode there many days. I'm telling you, get connected to what God's doing. And point number three, amen. Let me get over here. Would you sit with me? Amen. I've been sitting with him 41 years. <laughs> How many of you got this when you walked in? It's called Warfare Scriptures. Did you all get this? Ushers, let's okay, make those available ushers, real quick. Please. Okay, five tips for moms. Number one is read your Bible. Your Bible is a help manual. Not only is it a help manual, Oh, careful with that. It's a sword. And you know, the devil tries to keep you out of your Bible. He will give you every reason in the world. He even makes things in life more important than reading your Bible. And I know when you have children at home, I had three. I know that you're busy. And, and life gets busy. But there are some things that we can cut out that will give us time to read our Bible. Social media, TV, videos, movies. We can go on and on. Those things we put more importance on than reading our word. But those things are not going to help you when you have trouble in your home or when you need God's blessings on your home or you want to know how to live life. It's not a movie or a book that you need to tell you how to live life. It's God's word that tells you how to live life. So you want to pull your sword out and take your Bible and read it. We can afford to do with less of other things. Your Bible is your first line of defense. We allow Satan to back us into a corner and it's like he has a little toy gun holding us in a corner, cowering when we're having problems and issues. But your Bible is your sword. It's like a nuclear bomb. That if you pull out these warfare scriptures and you say, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. If you say, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So you need to pick up your sword. Hand me that sword again. <laughs> and <laughs> you walk through your house. And if you've got a child that's giving you a fit, 
You walk in their room. You go if to you their car. If you walk in that room with that sword, they'll, <laughs> you'll get their attention. And you start quoting the war. And I made it easy. You've got some warfare scriptures. You walk in there. You start anointing their room with oil. And this applies to a spouse. If you have a spouse that you're having a problem with, it could be a wife. It could be a husband. You take that word and you start walking into their places and you start resisting the devil and you rebuke that spirit. Submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't allow Satan to make other things more important than God's word. You cannot afford to skip the word. You have to have it. Teach your children to love the word. If you only do devotions, when your children are asleep, they don't know how important the Word is. So read the Word in front of your children and don't get frustrated when they interrupt you. They're going to interrupt you a thousand times. Why not while you're reading the Word? So teach your children. We taught our children with Proverbs every day. We read a proverb, and you'd be surprised at how many times when they're acting up and, and you can read something straight out of Proverbs that'll tell them to straighten up. So read the word, pray. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. If we don't pray over our families, who is? You can call us and we will pray and we'll weep with you. But there is no prayer like the prayer of a mother. Intercede for your family. Pray over your children. Teach them to pray. Don't get frustrated. Last night, they have a picture I think my husband took last night. Last night in prayer meeting, we had two-year-old Judah. He has just turned two. And I knelt down to pray, and I put Kleenexes down. And as I was praying, Judah sat on my lap, and for 15 minutes, all we prayed was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Judah loves Jesus. Over and over and over. You're teaching your children. You can't pray a long, flowery prayer when you have a two-year-old on your lap. You pray what will apply and keep their attention and teach them to pray. I have five-year-old and four-year-old grandchildren that will kneel at the altar and pray. One of them will speak in tongues when they pray. But you have to model it. You've got to show your children. Teach them to pray. Develop a relationship with God. If you're not close to God, how can you teach your children to be close to God? If we don't have that calling in our spirit that I feel the Lord every day. I feel him. It's like, come be with me. The Lord is saying, come be with me. Come spend time in my presence. And, and I feel it all day till I get into his presence. And then you develop a sweetness and a peaceful relationship. And the Lord knows that you need peace in your life when you have three or four children running around. That's how you get peace in your life is to develop a prayer life. Number three, get your rest. Now, I know that's hard to do, but I know that there are sometimes we sacrifice rest for things that don't matter. Sometimes we will sacrifice a night's sleep to stay up and do crafts or pictures, social media, a movie we've been wanting to watch, and we'll sacrifice the night of sleep, and then the next night we've got a sick child and we're up all night. And people who don't rest get grumpy. 
Isn't that true? If you go two or three nights without sleep, then you get grumpy. So don't sacrifice sleep for things that don't matter. Psalms 127.2, he gives his beloved sleep. Number four, do not sweat small stuff. Let it go. Just let it go. Don't hold on to things that do not matter. The world will not come to an end if a child breaks something or a teenager uh, forgets something. The world won't come to an end, I promise. So don't sweat small things. Forgive and move on. Peter says, how often shall I forgive? Jesus responds, 70 times 7. And sometimes we're quick to do that for other people, but within our own families, we're not quick to forgive. We hold on to things, and we want to make an example of things. Save confrontations for important things, like respect. Respect and honor your parents. That's an important thing. Lying. That's an important thing. So the things that really count, those are the things that you have to confront. But things like if we have one grandchild that she will not wear anything matched, period. She's going to dress the way she wants to. And Jennifer says, Mom, it's not worth it to have her dressed all beautiful just to have confrontations over that. Let her wear what she wants to wear. It doesn't matter. It's okay. So save your confrontations for things that matter. Number one on confrontations, not at night. Not when you're tired. Don't do it in an accusatory fashion, but try to frame everything in a positive way. Don't raise your voice. The only thing worse than a three-year-old acting like a three-year-old is a 40-year-old acting like a three-year-old. Is that right? Or a 16-year-old. So don't behave like the child or worse. No name-calling. A child will live up to or down to whatever you say. If you say to a child, you can be anything God wants you to be. I don't know what God has in store for you, but it's great. There are great things in store for you. Or if you say, you stupid idiot, what are you thinking? You're never going to do anything in life. Well, I promise you, that child will live up to or down to whatever you say. Learn to compromise with your children. Not the important things, but those things that don't count. Compromise. Agree to disagree. You're not always going to agree with your children on everything. There will be some things that you're just not, age difference, time, seasons, those things change. So agree to disagree. Mothers of adult children, I asked my mama this morning, I said, Mama, what's one of the best advice you can give mothers? Mothers of adult children, she said, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> And she always told me, she said, when you are asked for advice, give little. You don't have to give everything. So keep your mouth shut. Number five, make your home an oasis. Make it a place that your children feel safe and they feel loved. They feel the presence of God. They find compassion, comfort, encouragement, peace, kindness in your home. Make it a place that they can't wait to get to, and that goes for your spouse as well. Make it an oasis. 
There's a song, a Christmas song, and it says, I'll be home for Christmas because home is a beautiful place. And that's what we want to show our children and teach our children. Make beautiful memories in your home for your children and your family to remember. Amen. Let's give Sister Kim a hand. Amen. I want everyone to stand. And I want every mom to pick up your belongings and every lady, every woman, to pick up your belongings. I want you to come stand here for a prayer of blessing that I want to pray over you on this Mother's Day and this day that we're honoring the women of the church. What would the church be? Beth Moore had to address this issue just recently, the gender bias. But I'm thankful for the women of God. I'm thankful for the women in the church. Amen? Come on, men, say amen. amen. I'm thankful that we believe in anointed women and women empowered to do the work of Christ in the kingdom of God have an important place in life. One of our great men in history said, as goes mom, so goes the nation. You give me a room full of women that are on fire for God, touched by the Holy Ghost, and I'll give you the next third great awakening. I believe that'll happen. It was some women gathered along the river at Philippi. And Philippi became a great place of revival. Every one of you like to claim the scriptures in Philippians. My God shall supply all my needs. How many like that scripture? You know, Lydia was a part of the formation of that. Lydia was a part of the formation of the group of women that stood there by the river and got with Paul and Timothy and formed the church. And we have the scripture, I can do all things. Through we like to claim that scripture, but go back to a woman that was faithful by the river. Mom, woman of God, be faithful by the river. This is an incredible looking group. And I know what America needs is revival in these days. We're going to have an anointed women's evangelist tonight because I believe revival is the answer to America. But I want to bless you. But first, I want us to pray, and I want everyone, every man, every woman, every young person to repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I do believe you're the Son of God. I come to you with faith. I confess my failures and shortcomings. Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. With your help, I will serve you. And I give my life to you in consecration and dedication. In your name I pray. Amen. Now I want to pray over the women, so I want every woman, every woman, lift your hands. Father, I thank you that on this Mother's Day, we honor all of the Moms who have had children, naturally, they birth children. We honor our moms and we bless them. We rise up. We honor the women who have become spiritual moms. Maybe they've never had 
natural children, but they're birthing many a spiritual child and they're sowing in. And today I lift my hands as pastor over all these standing here in this sanctuary and those watching online right now. And Father, in the name of Jesus, you will bless them. Give them wisdom in this shift of seasons to navigate their family into the ark of safety to realize that this is an important hour to gather our children in and to gather our families and to believe as did Lydia for household salvation that all of her family came in as did the Shunammite oh God as did the woman at Zarephath and many others with Joshua as for me and my house will serve the Lord Father with these women I, I lift my hands and I pray over their families that those that are distant from the faith that in this very next season God will see lost coins being found lost sheep being discovered prodigal sons returning prodigal daughters making their way back home And Father I bless these women with all heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises, oh God. I thank you that we can stand upon your word. And on this Mother's Day, I bless all of these women. Lord, I pray that every need will be met and that, God, they will see the fruitfulness of the Lord in this next season. As Elisha gave the woman, the Shunammite, a prophecy that by this time next season, you will hold in your bosom the answer, the miracle, the breakthrough, what you've been longing for, your request. And so, Father, you've seen the tears. You've heard the cries. You know the heart's desire of all of these women of God standing here today and those watching online. And I lift my hands and I declare over them. Come on, ladies, hold your hands up. And the Lord spake unto Moses, it said, Speak unto Aaron and to the sons of Aaron. This is how you're to bless my children. The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace. And you will put God's name on your family. Come on, you put his name all over your family. And God says, I'll bless them. Come on, I want you to lift up some praise to the Lord now. Come on. Come on, let's start praising the Lord. Come on, let's start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies, get ready. Get ready. The season is shifting. Amen. Amen. May you in the next season hold close to yourself the breakthrough you've been praying for, the answer that you've been longing to see, the cries of your heart in the midnight hours that no one knows but your Father. May this be the season in Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed. Everyone be back for revival service tonight. Amen.